Welcome to Powerful at Work Radio, the podcast for business owners like you who value each person and desire to lead powerfully. I'm your host, Rosa Ponce de Leon, and it is my goal to help you secure your legacy and make a real impact by establishing a culture where all are empowered to be more creative and efficient without all the burnout and people issues. If you're ready to do things differently, tune in and join the movement. Now let's get after it. Jeff Schwissel believes that diversity isn't a human resource problem that can be solved through improved demographics. In fact, he doesn't think it's a problem at all. Instead, he believes it's the most powerful and important leadership opportunity in the 21st century. It's an opportunity for leaders to tap into the knowledge, experiences, and varied perspectives of their people to create a thriving, resilient organization and a more fulfilling workplace. Jeff Suizo, welcome to the show. As we talked, we talked about the show being to equip leaders who want to change the workplace to a place where people love coming to work. And we're all about helping those types of leaders make that change and make that transition wherever they feel stuck. We mm-hmm. want to help. And you've done a lot of work with diversity and workplace culture. Yeah, look, a little background. I started out as a mechanical engineer and very quickly moved into project management in the construction industry, mostly municipal and industrial facilities, water and wastewater treatment plants, hospitals, laboratories. I I guess from my academic background, I was always a student of whatever game that I was playing. And so I dug into traditional project management principles and practices and and rigorously applied those and said, here we go, I'm on my way as a project manager. But very quickly, I came to learn that those principles and practices weren't enough to guarantee success. There was plenty of evidence to suggest you didn't consistently get the outcomes you were looking for. And so I went on this quest, and it's a quest that continues to this very day, to see what it was that actually brought teams together in a way that made them more consistently successful. Then 2007, I guess it was, I discovered operations management or lean construction as it's Mm. called in my industry. And I said, wow, Eureka, mind blown, because now I have principles and practices that I can apply to these ideas and concepts that have been floating to the surface in my own observations. And started applying those practices in my own projects for a few years and very quickly learned it's a part of project management that I actually liked. What I decided to do in 2010 was to go out on my own, start my own consulting business and bring these ideas, these operational management ideas to the industry because I thought it was something the industry could really use. And it allowed me to sort of feed my own passion for helping teams deliver exceptional value to their customers and business by being really good at what they do, by using their skills and experience. And what I pretty quickly learned was that I was in the performance improvement business. I didn't know that, but apparently the driver for performance improvement and maybe the only driver in the construction industry is crisis. And so for the first three or four Mm -hmm. years of my business, I was fixing broken projects and having people say, hey, we've got a project that's on fire. Can you help us put it out? And, you know, I did that successfully enough, and in some cases, dramatically successfully, that senior executives started to notice. And they started to say, look, how do we take what you're doing with our troubled projects and move that forward and start to get ahead of the curve, fireproofing instead of firefighting, so to speak. 
And so I started realizing what I was trying to do was strategic development. These are strategic initiatives. We're changing the way businesses operated. And so I started looking at traditional principles and practices mm -hmm. around strategic planning and execution. And there's a tremendous amount of evidence out there that suggests that those principles aren't very effective. In fact, is less effective than the project management principles that I was railing against in my earlier life. And they were all equally antiquated for the environment that businesses now operate in. Just hold that thought because I want you to finish it. But you're talking about the way that the world is operating right now, the way in which businesses are operating, and the fact that we have so many things that worked at one point, project management tools, all the stuff that worked at one point, and we're trying to still operate under those rules and regulations, but they don't work anymore because the world is changing so much. Yeah. And so are people ad having to adapt to things very quickly. And when you find security in those tools and you're stuck there, you fail to then see the need for innovation or the need to transition ahead of time until it's too late, hmm. until crisis occurs. So exactly. I think that's what you're saying. And you've come in and you realize that you needed to switch gears and find some other way to approach these problems that businesses are, are facing. And so take us down that journey. Yeah, sure. And that's exactly the situation that I was confronted with. We have all of these traditional practices that are so ingrained in us that no longer suit the environment that we're applying them. Traditional business strategy was developed in the early 1950s. Traditional project management was developed only a decade or two after mm -hmm. that. And we're still basically applying those same tools in a world that is very, very different today. The business environment changes more rapidly and those changes are more pervasive than they've ever been. So when email mm -hmm. came in and it right. began to change things very rapidly, if you didn't keep up, it wasn't that bad because Email was just email. It didn't affect the entire rest of your business in terms of it, the pervasiveness, the depth and width with which change was happening. So you had time to catch up and that's no longer the case. Now when change happens, and I sometimes hesitate to, <laughs> to use the pandemic as an example because everybody does, but it, it is just that. It's a dramatic example of how quickly change can happen in the world that we live in now and when it happens, how pervasively it can impact us. What I'm hearing you say is that disruption has become the norm. It's a norm in our society now. People have a great opportunity. The barrier to entry to certain types of jobs is so low that people are taking chances and entrepreneurially minded people are jumping in and just exploring their dreams and going after it. And they're coming up with ideas that established businesses didn't see coming and it's disrupting the market. And I think that when we, can step back and realize that whatever it is we were doing isn't working and are open to finding security and being adaptive, I think that that's a great leader and a great trait. And so when we mm. connect with someone like you, can you maybe give us an example that we can work with just for clarity's sake in terms of what kind of practices are businesses adopting that are succeeding in this type of world? Yeah. The traditional approach to strategy was once a year we gather together, we create a plan. Usually that plan is more about the outcomes that we want to achieve at the end of the year. And then maybe there's some bold sweeping statements about the pillars on which those outcomes will be built and the values we'll hold in trying to achieve them. 
And then they go away and they communicate this wonderful plan to their teams. And those plans mm -hmm. get folded up, placed on the shelf, and people go about their normal operational day, only to come back to do it all over again the next year. So some of the organizations that I work with, the, the principle is if we're going to be adaptable, strategy isn't something you do as an annual event. Strategy is something that you're doing all the time. So you create this underlying right. activity within your organization that is strategic in nature. And it's intentional. It's not just, okay, part of your time should be working on strategy. But as a leader, you start to say, okay, what are the most important things that we need to be doing in our business right now if we're going to pursue our strategic aspirations, if we're going to become the business that we want to be in the future? And in mm -hmm. prioritizing those initiatives, projects, as I call them, <laughs> you can then start to say, all right, now what capacity do we have to pursue those projects? And let's start at the top of that priority list. And let's do it in short, sharp, three-month sort of sprints. So the portfolio yes. of strategic projects that an organization does is what they have the capacity for. And, and oftentimes that's maybe three, five projects that they have the capacity to undertake given all of the other operational things that they need to do, but give it to the people that know the most about the work that you're trying to improve, change, or create and get them doing those projects. Don't just give it to the rest of your senior management team and say, okay, you guys go away and do these things because they're busy doing what managers do and start to what I call uh, leverage your leadership bandwidth by using the leadership within your organization, but more importantly, use that capability. Okay, let me speak to that because there's a lot there. And you're talking about a plan that is at the outset defined in such a way that it has short-term goals because we want to make sure we go back and review regularly and actually become a company or a, a, a team that lives, eats, and breathes this strategy in our operations daily, but you're also saying give that strategy to the doers, not to the people that are having to answer up and give quarterly overviews and summaries, but the people that are actually going to take action and make a plan that is built in with priorities because we recognize that people are only effective of one or two things at a time as opposed to overwhelming people and saturating them and expecting them to get everything done in a five-year plan or in a one-year plan. We're saying, hey, these are our priorities right now, short-term, get to it, take action. Let's come back in a month and see how it went and revise as needed. Does that sound about right? That's right. So what I will often do is I'll say, okay, we want to create strategic vision. What are our strategic aspirations? If we place ourselves in the future, whatever it is, five, 10 years, what do we want to look like? Mm -hmm. Now, if we come back to the medium term in one to three years, what are the things we'll, that we will have need to have done to take us on that particular journey toward that particular Got destination? It. Now, let's break that down into the actual activities it takes to drive those improvements or developmental activities. And, and start to grant, make it more and more granular because aspiration happens on the back of action. Clarity around the actions you need to take to realize those aspirations happens on the back of action. And projects are a way of not only taking action, they're a way of bringing your people into that action. 
So you really are being specific. We're not saying that we're ignoring all the needs for breaking things down to the granular level. And it's not considered micromanaging. It's just saying these are realistically the things we need. And having that site picture and that shared vision by everyone from the main leader to management to the people carrying out the tasks is going to be important because otherwise, how do you hold people accountable and also give them the tools and the resources they're going to need to carry it out? It's not notional. It becomes much more real that way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in, in fact, it's the opposite of micromanagement because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, you're in a team mm. now. This is the outcome we want from the project we've given you. And it's in service of these things. So here's the meaning, the purpose behind it. Now go away and pursue it. The, almost always they're developmental in, in nature. And so you're actually giving your people autonomy to pursue a, a very specific short-term step toward that longer term goal. So it, the idea of micromanagement is a backwards view of what it is. And, and oftentimes people will believe that, oh, you just, you're gonna micromanage every step of the way. No, we're gonna take every step of the way, but we're gonna give you the autonomy to decide what that step needs to be. That's beautiful. And what I like about this too is you're giving the what and the why, you're not necessarily telling them how. They're the experts, they do have autonomy in how to carry it out. You're just giving them, here's your charge, Here's your marching orders. Go do it. We trust you. And that's correct. And the beauty is now all of a sudden, instead of having a separate engagement activity that, that you're doing so you get your engagement numbers up, you're actually giving them something to be engaged in that's meaningful. You don't have to communicate strategy because they're in strategy. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Powerful at Work Radio. If you're ready for more freedom from the day to day so you can properly rest, dream and be more effective as a business owner, I want to invite you to our upcoming free training where I'm going to share my easy five part process for making sure your team feels truly seen, heard and understood. For more details or to register for the training, visit rosaponsdeleon.com. There you'll also find tons of resources for growing as a business owner so you can go all in on your team while they go all in on bringing your vision to life. Let's talk about communications because I feel like not only are you giving them the, the job satisfaction they need and the fulfillment that they need just to know that their work has meaning, but you do reduce the need for communications because everything's there and we're all on the same page. There's no need for, hey, did you mean this on the scope? Did you mean this on the budget? Did you mean that? Like, it's pretty clear. It's written out. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I often say is communication is good. Collaboration is better. So you're actually creating a collaborative oh, environment. Speak to that. Yeah. So you've you've got this, okay, as as a leadership team, here's what we want to accomplish. As as an operational team, help us to accomplish it in a way that supports your ability to serve our customers and ultimately deliver to the needs of our shareholders or investors. And so it becomes then a collaboration rather than just being a communication. I like the connectivity you're describing here because no one is in a back room operating in a silo. They're, everything's connected to the end product. They're connected to the client. It's connected to everything. Mm, that's exactly right. And then in doing it, it's not something you set a course for and just keep going. You do the, the short-term work and use what you learn from that short-term work to decide where you go next. And so you may have a list of projects with priorities against them but then the work you do might inform those priorities. It might tell you a different project is the project we need to be doing right. based on what we've just learned. And so it's always connecting what you're doing 
to where you're trying to go as opposed to what you're doing is just blindly following the plan. I like that because you're talking about real-time feedback and embracing it and being willing to say, I'm now going to use this intelligence that I have based on my experience with this to now make a more informed decision to change where I need to change in real time and not create a crisis, but actually just live in that type of environment that is actually very secure because you feel good. Like it's okay. If it's wrong, I'll know soon enough and I can change it. Let me try this. Let me take a risk here. Let me see if this might work. Let me try some innovation over here and I'll get the feedback. So I don't have to worry that what if I get it wrong, it's going to be career ending or destructive. Like mistakes happen, but it's just, it seems to me like it's actually less stressful. Well, and it is. And when one of the things when creating this strategic vision that I often tell the senior leadership teams I work with, I said, you know, place yourself in that future, but do it knowing you'll get it wrong. We aren't good enough to see five mm. or 10 years in the future and say, oh, this is what that looks like. But when you have that vision right. of where you want to go, then it tells you the path you need to be taking. And, and that vision might adjust as you walk that path a bit. I often use the analogy of a walk through the mountains and you might crest a, a rise in the hillside and look at it and say, oh, okay, I'm not going for that particular peak. I need to go over here to get to that peak. I'm gonna use a silly analogy here and it's gonna be silly, but it's what I can picture. So when you have this vision, you have this idea of what you think you want and it's fuzzy and it's not clear. And I'm gonna say the journey, I've, I've never actually gone through this personally, but I've seen a lot of my friends buying a wedding dress. They know the kind of dress they want. They try on a ton of dresses they go to different stores, they describe it to the people that are helping and they bring some samples out there and they're sitting there and they're just like experimenting and finally this is the dress, right? And I think that's kind of the way the journey of making the vision happen. You, mm. you try a bunch of things, you, you kind of know, you have an idea, you work with the experts, you try different products and eventually you kind of just land and, and there it is. By the time you get there five years from now, it's like, yep, that was it. <laughs> that was it. And, and you know, it's, it's that I'll know it when I see it but start out by imagining you already know it because it'll be in that pursuit that you'll right. actually see it. So if you assume that, okay, this is exactly the wedding dress, I'm going to sketch it out and I'm never going to go look at anything else, then you haven't taken the action that allows you to see further down the journey, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can set up the things. I, I know I don't want sleeves or I know I don't. These are the things I know I don't want. And, you know, I might change my mind later, but for the most part, you know, five years ahead of time, the things you know you don't want to get into, you know your values, you know your ethics, you know the people you want to serve, you, you know your heart and, and what impact you want to make. But really, it's not until you really take action, like you described, that it starts to manifest and gives you the creativity and the freedom to say, you know what, I was thinking too small, I might actually want to go bigger or vice versa, I might need to scale back, I may not need to do as much as I thought. Mm, absolutely. And, and the customers that you think you'll be serving in 10 years might, might or might not be those customers. You may, you may discover that you have an offering that appeals to a broader customer base in that consistent and persistent pursuit that you adapt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And it sounds like a fun adventure now because you get pleasant surprises. Like I never thought I'd be working with this particular client, but I love it. It turns out I didn't know I loved it. And, you know, and to touch on your point, you made it at the top. Business leaders are busy, and if it all falls to their shoulders, mm. then it, things don't get done, you know, not by people doing bad things, but they just don't have the time. And so if you can start to leverage the time and attention of a broader base of your organization, then more things get done. And in some ways, 
the time and attention you pay to your business is at the right level. It's starting to be with your eyes out toward the right. horizon, not at your feet. That's so important. I mean, we're coming to the end of the show here, but mm. that is so important. I don't want to neglect that because I think a lot of leaders feel inundated and overwhelmed because they're having to be at such a low level and they can't disengage. They can't let go. They don't have the confidence or the trust in their team. But when you build that high performing team and you employ the stuff that we discussed in this episode today, you can have that. You can disengage. You can be less stressed out and actually not feel guilty about it because that's mm. where you belong. You shouldn't be stressed out. It's hard to be creative. It's hard to be, it's hard to create that confidence in the team that we can get there and we can achieve that when you're worried about basic things falling apart. Exactly. And, and you touched on it. Trust is the key. Building that trust with your people allows them to trust you as a leader to set the direction. So trust kind of begets trust and that frees everyone up to bring their most valuable selves to the game. Well, thank you for bringing such a great concept and idea to the table and making it so simple to understand. And I think that any business owner who, who wants to pursue this further and wants to reach you should connect with you because you're definitely clearly an expert in this. And I appreciate you coming to the show and being so generous. Oh, my, my pleasure. This is a good conversation, actually. So obviously, we've just skimmed the surface of some of the stuff I do. And so I have a, I have a book. It's called Projectify. And it's how to use projects to engage your people in strategy that evolves your business. And it really dives in deeper in, into these ideas and in, in terms of both concept, how, how they work and how they deal with human behavior, as well as full on principles and practice for implementing in your own business. So I'm happy to provide an electronic copy of that book to any of your listeners that wants it. And I'm sure you can share the link with them in your show notes. Jeff, I want the link. So <laughs> we'll definitely put it in the show notes and I'll definitely be getting a copy myself because I think a conversation is just scratching the surface and I definitely want to get into it a little cool, more. So cool. thank you so much for being here. I wish you the best. I hope the storms end out on your side of town and thank you for connecting. All right, Rosa. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Powerful at Work Radio. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear from some truly amazing guests who will help you shift into a new approach to leadership so you can develop a healthy relationship with your team and truly maximize your impact. We'll explore stories from experts who are daring to do work differently, and we want to invite you into the conversation. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. We're excited to help you lead a high-performance team with simple advice that you can start using right now for maximum results.